Hello, and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Disruptive innovation is the new normal. Disruptive companies may shape what the market looks like for years to come, responding to advances in technology, emerging industries, and changing consumer preferences. Investing in disruptive innovation allows you to potentially capitalize on global trends, match interests with financial goals, and gain exposure to an innovative way to invest with long-term trends, values, and strategies. Today, we'll hear about how the Fidelity Disruption Funds do just that. Charlie Havard and Michael Kim, portfolio managers from the team behind Fidelity Disruptors class, Fidelity Disruptive Automation class, and Fidelity Long-Term Leaders Fund, join the show today, speaking with host Brian Borsakowski about industry trends and how these future leaders are identified. The fund focuses on the long-term investment thesis of each company, not necessarily expecting them to be disruptors during the next year, but later on in each company's life cycle. Today's podcast was recorded on July 6th, 2023. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy, or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Let, let, let's set the stage here and uh, tell us a bit about yourselves and uh, what, how you operate in your roles. Charlie, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, thanks, Brian. So uh, my name is Charlie Hebert. I've been at Fidelity uh, 24 years. I am one of our uh, managing directors of research. And so that means that I oversee teams of analysts and portfolio managers. And I have responsibility for a number of sectors, including technology, comm services, energy materials, as well as our private equity business. Great, Michael. Yeah, so uh, my name is Michael Kim. I've been with Fidelity not quite as long um, as Charlie. I've been here for about 16 years now, and I've been um, I've been in quantitative research uh, pretty much my whole career. So. Um, and my role here at Fidelity now, I'm a quantitative portfolio manager. So my job on these funds, um, and I, I know we're gonna get into this, but uh, the funds are very analyst-driven funds, uh, meaning that for both both uh, sets of funds that we're talking about today, uh, we kind of empower the fundamental analysts to make the stock picks directly. Uh, but someone has to take all of that information and all of those stock picks and put them into a portfolio. Uh, so that's really my job, uh, my role on the team, uh, to take everyone's ideas, you know, put them into a portfolio construction process, kind of keep an eye on the risk management side of things, um, you know, interact with the traders, uh, to keep, uh, you know, to keep an ear on what's going on out in the market. So that's kind of my role in this whole, uh, this whole thing. And it's kind of unique, actually, I think, for Fidelity. Great. Okay, so let, let's get into the funds a bit. I, I think, you know, the first question that I have really is what does it mean to be a disruptive company? Um, at least two of your funds, you know, have disruptive in the name. A lot of people throw around that word, even companies themselves. Uh, we do, you know, we're, we're disrupting our industry. But to you guys and what you're looking for, what does it mean to be a disruptive business? Uh, Michael, we'll start with you. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> 
you know, for me, when I think about disruption, I think about companies that are really changing kind of the basic uh, supply and demand characteristics of the industry they're operating in. And so what does that mean? Um, on the demand side, it could mean coming up with a new product um, that really kind of challenges the established participants in the industry. It could, it could mean coming up with an entirely new business or a service um, that hadn't existed before. Um, and, you know, so that's on the demand side. On the supply side, it could be coming up with a new way of doing things or, you know, changing the cost structure of an industry. Um, you know, some of the classic examples that, that we've been talking about over the last five, 10 years, um, you know, companies like, uh, like Uber, which ch challenges taxis, right? But they don't actually have any, they don't own any cars, right? I mean, it's not really, there, there, there's no inventory of that that they have to worry about. It's really about streamlining the business, uh, offering consumers more choice and, you know, maybe doing it in a way that's more efficient or, you know, that, that just serves the customer better. So, you know, disruption is always evolving. It's not one thing. Um, and so the way that we think about uh, for, for like, let, let's talk about global disruptors. There's actually five sub themes. Um, that, that we work with. There's automation, communications, technology, uh, finance, and medicine. And so it, within each one of those sub-themes, you know, they're broad enough that we're always evolving, you know, what the disruptive themes are within those. Um, so, you know, for something like automation, we'll have something like we could have self-driving cars, we could have warehouse automation, um, there's software automation, um, so there are different things um, that are, you know, it's constantly evolving, right? Uh, communications started out kind of as a 5G fund, but we kind of left it broad and open enough that, um, you know, that as things have kind of evolved beyond 5G now, uh, we're looking ahead and we can slot in what we think future disruptive themes are. So anything that's really kind of challenging established players, um, creating new businesses that really hadn't been thought of before, um, you know, that, 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 that's kind of the gist of it. And it can go beyond, you know, it's not just technology, right? Um, it, it's, it goes way beyond that. We can have industrial companies, we can have, you know, while well, we have like medicine, um, you know, healthcare companies, um, communications. So it really kind of runs a gamut uh, of, of different industries. Great. Charlie, I wonder if we can dig in a little bit to those five uh, um, uh, subsectors um, or areas that, that Michael mentioned. Um, why, why those five? Maybe to start with, why those five? Uh, uh, why are those the key ones in, in Global Disruptors? And then, yeah, we'll talk about kind of the trends that you're seeing in maybe each of them. Yeah. I, I mean, well, first, just to follow on from, uh, from what Michael was saying, um, this is a really exciting area of the market to be in because think of these, these um, disruptive companies can start off very small and grow extremely large very quickly. Um, and so it's exciting to be, you know, hunting for those types of companies. And, you know, similarly, uh, you know, by their, by their virtue of the, uh, the description being disruptive, they can essentially render uh, large incumbents, um, you know, really, um, you know, threaten their, their competitive positioning. So it's a really exciting place to, to hunt as, as stock pickers. So to answer your question specifically, let's get into these, these, five, um, these five areas. Um, we really spent a lot of time working with our analyst team 
um, it spread around the world, really trying to identify themes that we felt were going to be particularly durable, um, areas that we thought had true staying power um, in terms of, uh, you know, areas and themes that we thought really were going to um, be capable of changing the world. And, and so um, we identified these five areas, and so there, there, there are five, I'll go through them. Uh, Michael mentioned them before, but disruptive automation, communications, um, technology, uh, medicine, and finance. And so we purposely tried to find, uh, you know, areas that we felt were sufficiently, you know, broad, that there would be, you know, a lot of opportunities, um, you know, for, uh, for stock picking. Great. And, and then, yeah, let's, let's talk about each one. So tell me a bit about each one of them. Uh, what's, what, you, Michael, you started a little bit about talking about some of them, but let's dig into that. What are the trends you're seeing in those five spaces? Uh, yeah, so, so um, you know, since, uh, since we're also talking about the automation fund here, I'll, I'll just kind of bring up some of those, you know, some of the things I've been talking about that I mentioned before, you know, obviously there's um, the thing that's on everyone's mind these days is, is, is AI, right, and generative AI. But, um, you know, AI actually plays in a couple different uh, parts of our sub-theme. So there's obviously a tech aspect to it. There's communications aspect to it. Um, for automation as well. And, you know, we're really seeing that on the software side, but, you know, also on the hardware side, we can invest in the companies that, you know, actually create the chips, right, that, that are being used heavily in these uh, AI processes, right? Um, other trends, you know, obviously self-driving cars has been, has been a thing for a while. That's one of the sub-themes that we think about going along with that. Um, you, you know, battery, uh, you know, battery technology is something that kind of plays right in, uh, in, in hand with that. Um, on the software side, a lot of it is about coming up with newer, better automated software that really, you know, can help companies create drafts and uh, prototypes that, that are just much more, you know, in a much more efficient manner than, than they used to. And then uh, there's the warehousing part of it. Um, everyone's thinking about, uh, robotics and automating, uh, automating, you know, kind of tasks that we didn't think could really be automated maybe even 10 years ago. And yet, and yet here we are. So there's just, there, there's a lot of action going on in that space, uh, and, and a lot of opportunities, uh, for us to find, you know, stocks that, that, that play in that. Charlie, anything, uh, anything to add, uh, maybe a different area that, uh, of, of these five that you're finding something very exciting or interesting or any, any trends to highlight? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'd be remiss not to sort of reinforce that I, I fundamentally believe that, um, that AI, artificial intelligence, is going to have just huge implications for all businesses. Um, you know, think about, you know, the transformative effect of the Internet. Uh, you know, I think AI is, is going to be similar. And, um, you know, we were out um, in a traveling group of analysts and I were out visiting companies out on the West Coast and we met with a venture capitalist and, and you know, he said, his, his, in his opinion, and, you know, I, I, I agree with the view, which is why I'll, I'll, I'll share it here. He said, you know, if you think about what enabled the Industrial Revolution, it was really the uh, invention of the steam engine. And you can think of AI um, as really the steam engine for the mind. Um, and, and I thought it really resonated with me because, um, you know, AI is going to impact everything. When you, when you can, Charlie, just on that, when you look at AI, a lot of people now are talking about ChatGPT. We've had actually 
um, you know, some some webcasts just recently on AI and ChatGPT specifically. Um, well, how do you define AI? I mean, are we is it ChatGPT or do you see other areas? Where is this sort of game changing technology coming from? What does it look like? Yeah. So look, it's ChatGPT today, but I think it's going to continue to evolve. Um, you know, Microsoft has has a product called uh, Copilot, which enables uh, if you're doing a Teams like video uh, meeting, um, you know, Copilot is is listening and recording behind the scenes. And if someone joins the the, the meeting at a at a later date um, or halfway through. They can see a quick synopsis of key decisions that have been made, and you know that's all happening behind the scenes in a way that um, you know you could ask um, you know Copilot, for example, um, you know was a, a unanimous decision, um, and you know you could you could see who was in favor, who who was not in favor um, of, of making a particular uh, you know decision. So I think there's just really um, this is going to be completely. Uh, transformative. I, I think the other way to think about where we're ultimately going um, is if you think about, um, you know, today every every company has a physical factory where you know they're producing whatever it is that um, you know they 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 sell, uh, whatever good and service they they sell. I'd, I'd liken you know AI as um, you know kind of the digital factory that is that is a, that is attached uh, to the physical um, you know factory and it's. And it's it's the um, combination of those two factories that are going to make companies more uh, efficient and effective. Because in that digital factory, you're going to be better able to forecast demand for your products. Um, and so I think it's going to drive a lot of efficiency improvements really uh, across all business. Um, just before we move on to some other topics, um, which sectors do you feel are going to have the biggest benefit from AI out of the gate? You know, excluding technology, some of the other sectors that you're looking at. Michael, yeah, do you want to do you want to do you want to start? Yeah. Uh, so, so I can give you an, an example. Uh, this this is kind of a meta example, but in finance, for instance, right? Like, part of the way that we identify um, uh, disruptive companies in our process is that we have, you know, we have like natural language uh, programs and um, you know different kind of. I don't know if I call them pure AI, um, like the way that ChatGPT runs now, but I mean, we're using kind of these processes to help us uh, systematically go out and identify among the global universe of stocks, which are the ones that are most likely gonna be disruptive uh, over the next, you know, over the next one, three, five years. And so, and so that that's one way that we're using the technology, um, you know, to help us in our process, right? Um, now. We're still at the point where every every company that comes through the universe uh, that 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 the uh, process suggests, uh, you know, we still have fundamental analysts, um, you know, giving opining and giving their insights uh, on the stocks per se. But it's made it, you know, much more. I don't want to say cutting edge, but I mean it, it's made it much more efficient to try and find, you know, the potential universe of stocks that we want to uh, to invest in. So. You know, there, there, there are many different ways. Uh, it, it cuts across all sorts of different industries. Um, you know, I, I was thinking also like in, uh, I guess it's tech, but I mean, if you think about um, how much content, uh, consumer content out there right now, entertainment content is being self-generated, right? And, um, you know, by influencers or just by YouTube personalities or whoever, and you know, 
they need software to to uh you know to make all of that content i mean i i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but the amount that gets uploaded to youtube like every hour is some ridiculous uh some ridiculously large amount of um of, of content and you know they're using software suite like uh like adobe has right and 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 you know adobe now has like very strong uh ai capabilities to help streamline their creation process i mean it's really it's really amazing um when when you see what the software can do and how how like the magic that it, you know things that used to take like movie studios or tv studios days to do and departments to do and the software just just ask it to do something and it's it's an automated process and you know bam you've got your your content so it's it's just fascinating it, it really cuts across many different uh different areas of uh of the world now it's crazy yeah and michael i you know i think i think that's absolutely right one other thing i'd, I'd add is is just with the um you know similar to um when the internet was created um you know this is moving beyond um, you know, the companies that are providing the software and the chips to enable AI, and it's going to broaden out. You're going to see real winners and losers, uh, just as we, as we did with the internet. You know, companies that are able to adopt AI, become more efficient than their competitors, are going to, um, you know, glean a competitive advantage as a result. And so, um, you know, that's something that we're really, you know, focusing on as we're talking to companies across all industries. Uh, so, so Charlie, disruptive automation. You have this uh, this other fund, but automation is also part of the global disruptors fund. Why break that out, or how does that look differently from what you have in the global disruptors fund? Yeah, well, the, you can think about global disruptors is you know leveraging each of these five building blocks that we've talked about, leveraging these particular themes, and uh, you know automation, um, you know just enables a, a very focused in investment in in automation, um, you know, which can range anywhere from you know AI, as 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 Michael was saying, to um, you know factory automation. Um, you know, it's it's not lost on 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 all of us here on the on the call that you know labor costs are rising uh, across the globe, and so you know companies are looking uh, you know for ways to to reduce their their overall labor usage, their overall labor cost. And one way to do that is is through you know intelligent use of, of um, automated uh, processes. Um, great, Michael. Anything to add on that point? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think we're just really trying to offer up as much um, you know choice to 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 our uh, to our invest, uh, investors as possible. I think I think there's something very attractive about thinking about automation as a standalone um, product uh you know just the way that the world is turning um but you know we 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 do we you know if you want if you want to think about things kind of more on a global sense uh in a more broadly diversified sense that's that's kind of what the the global disruptors fund is for right um and and then and then there is the third fund which uh is the long-term leaders um how is that different from the other two yeah that, that that's a good question so so First, let's go over the similarities. Both both of the funds are analyst-driven funds, fundamentally uh, analyst-driven, bottom-up stock picking. Um, but and they're both global. Um, but I would say that um, the the long-term leaders fund is a little bit more of um, a little bit more of a quality growth 
uh, type of fund. It, it, you know, it's it's kind of it's it's the sort of fund that should slot into your if you if you have a need out there for uh, for like a large cap kind of global growth um, steady growth fund that that that's where that plays. The disruptors are probably a little bit more exciting growth. Um, so there's a little more volatility around those names, um, maybe a little bit more potential for excess returns in the right markets, uh, in, the, in, in favorable markets. Uh, long-term leaders, um, you know, when, when, when we asked our um, analysts to find stocks for that fund, we really, um, we really asked them to focus thinking more holistically about the company. Uh, so we're asking them to find companies that have structural competitive advantages, um, things that I think a lot of people talk about moats around businesses these days. So we're looking for companies with strong moats. Uh, we're looking for businesses that have strong management companies, quality management companies that have proven track record of delivering performance. Um, and you know, also the, the third thing that we ask is that we ask them to look through this lens of kind of secular growth uh, in the in the industry that they're playing in. So we're looking for companies that have kind of a tailwind. Um, both of the funds, uh, the disruptors and long term leaders, they're both lower turnover uh, approaches. So we're really asking uh, our analysts to think about not what's going to happen necessarily in the next quarter or even in the next year, but think about the companies that you want to own, uh, you know, one, three, five years out, maybe through a business cycle. But they're they're a little different. Uh, Disruptors has that longer term horizon because we know some of this, especially for some of the smaller pure play uh, disruptor companies, it's going to take a while for that to play out. Right. It's not going to happen necessarily overnight uh, for long term leaders. Um, it's a little bit more tilted towards finding established companies, uh, you know, these kind of growth compounders that, um, you know, aren't always uh kind of, you know, the hot topic on the market. But when you look back over a, a longer period of time, one, three, five, ten years, uh, you know, you look at those ch stock charts and you think, wow, I should have just held that stock that whole time. There was just no reason to move in and out of it. And that's kind of, uh, I mean, I guess it's in the name. That's what long-term leaders seek right. to uh, deliver. Yeah, Michael, I think that was well said. I, I think one of the things we look for from a management team is, is how effectively they're deploying capital. And I think over uh, a long period of time through the business cycle, um, you know, watching how managements deploy capital and, you know, that can really translate into, um, into above peer uh, returns. And so we're looking really for companies that we feel have a durable competitive advantage and they're able to translate that competitive advantage into above peer um, you know, growth and margins over time. And, and those are really the types of companies we're looking for, um, you know, for that, for that long-term leaders fund. But how does this differ from Mark Schmiel's approach and, or even, you know, just a technology fund? Um, how would you uh, answer that, Charlie? Yeah, so I, I want to be really careful not, you know, speaking for, for Mark. I, you know, I think that's definitely like a, a question, um, you know, you should, you should certainly ask of, Mark, I mean, what, what I can say is really what we're focusing in on here with the disruptors is, is you know, staying true to those five, you know, themes and, you know, building a, a whole portfolio around those five individual um, themes. My understanding of Mark's process, um, and he was out with us out on the, out on the West Coast, 
uh, you know, seeing seeing um, seeing companies is, you know, he he's he's more willing to 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 broaden his net for companies. Like he could be focused on on commodity companies, for example. He thought they were particularly well positioned uh, given where we are in the in the business cycle. Um, you know, this 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 fund tends to have you know lower turnover, um, and you're you're probably very much less likely to find like uh, you know an energy producer uh, or or a commodity oriented. Um, you know, producer in, in, in these funds. Um, great. And uh, obviously, you know, 2022 wasn't great for growth and tech, tech stocks. What are you seeing today? Have they come back? Um, what's the environment for the kinds of companies that you're um, looking at more growth focused businesses? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's such a great question, Brian, because as everybody on on this um, you know call you know knows, really, um, you know, these types of stocks, uh, you know, longer dated growth stories, really started to sell off concurrent with increasing um, interest rate uh, assumptions, and you know, I think the market um, you know has, has largely discounted uh, you know that that in, and so you know what you saw is you saw you know technology stocks. Um, you know, stocks like this kind of bottomed in October of last year, and and they've really been you know moving um, up you know quite quite nicely, and and I think part of that has to do with the fact that um, AI. There's no question. I, I was I was in San Francisco in in December, and you know as everybody recalls, like ChatGPT was really capturing the imagination of a, a number of people starting in November of of last year, and it was a dramatic difference between you know what we saw in December versus what we saw in in June. Every company is very focused on you know how do we leverage you know AI uh, to really drive transformative change. And you know I think that's something else that is um, has been a positive uh, tailwind to this this market. You know sort of recognition that you know rates um, are, are are probably going to stay higher for longer. Uh, you know but the most steep uh, you know, upward move in the in the slope of of, of um, uh, you know of interest rates as, is behind us. Michael, anything to add there? Uh, you know, the economics that you're seeing, interest rates, inflation. How might that be impacting uh, this, the decisions you're making? Yeah, I mean, so I th I think what's going on here is just having a little bit of clarity. Um, you know, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel has been enough to kind of let the market blow off some steam uh, this year, and so that. That's been beneficial to us, right? That's been a tailwind uh, to us. But you know, there's always, uh, as they say, every every silver lining has a touch of gray. Uh, you, you know, you just there are always clouds on the horizon. So we'll we'll see what's coming up. Uh, you know, I think right now, um, you know, as I mentioned, we're global. We're a global uh, global research department, and the funds are globally uh, aligned. Um, but you know, there, there's been some rumblings that maybe China is going to not come through uh, and rebound the way that we thought, uh, or that we, you know, might have hoped. Um, and what are the ramifications for that? There's still a lot of geopolitical risk out there. Um, you know, the situation in Ukraine hasn't really been resolved. It's been going on for over two years now. Um, there's always rumblings now, of course, about uh, Taiwan and China. So that's also kind of entering. The, the conscious, I mean, it has been right for the past year or so. So there, there's still a lot of things going on that, but, you know, we're not macro investors. We're not top down. Um, we just have to think about it from, 
a company perspective and how those things play into a company's bottom line and you know whether or not that affects our view you know our perspective on whether or not to hold the company you know so uh so but we'll see there's there's a lot going on and um a lot of good things happening i think the consumer in the us has been pretty durable um employment has been durable which is you know we keep playing around with that whole is good news good news or is good news bad news for the market sometimes bad news is good for the market um and we keep flipping between all of those uh with every with every kind of macro data release so i'm not really sure where that's going but it's i think we've been surprisingly resilient so hopefully that that's a good sign um how do you decide your weightings and holdings now that the big tech leaders have appreciated year to date do you trim uh good question charlie you want to take that one yeah well actually you know what i'm, I'm going to turn it over to michael because you know he's really focused on the portfolio construction uh you know my teams are really focused on identifying you know the names for inclusion uh, michael why don't you take that sure so so it depends on the fund that we're talking about for long-term leaders actually for both funds um i have target weights uh, for every holding that we have. And those target weights, so in long-term leaders, we, we have this uh, kind of running joke that we, we love all of our children equally. Uh, we start off in long-term leaders with kind of equal active bets on every name because, you know, like I said, it's an analyst-driven fund and we're not pitting analysts against each other. Um, we love them all. That said, as stocks perform, they will tend to move around their target weight up and down. The weights will drift a little. Uh, and we do have some discipline in the process um, as when, when stocks get to an overweight position, uh, we conscientiously will trim those back and use the capital to kind of fill up our positions on stocks that maybe have been in a slight relative underperformance and, and are under target. And um, that, that process also works the same in disruptives. Um, so I have a percent target weight for every, uh, for, for every holding, but, um, you know, we also have a little bit of, uh, kind of risk, uh, a risk framework. Uh, you, you can almost think of it, um, as, as kind of like a risk parity within certain themes, uh, that we're working with. Um, just, just to put a little bit of, you know, it's a pretty volatile space to begin with. Uh, so any little bit that we can do to just kind of take some of that risk off the table. Uh, without without dampening, you know, kind of the beta exposure that you're going to get completely uh, is is how we think about it. And and again, you know, as we go over target weight, we conscientiously trim back and have a we have a disciplined process about putting that capital to work. Great. Um, we only have you know 30 seconds left. Just what is the most exciting piece of t technology or disruptor you see coming in the near future? It sounded like it might be AI, but I'm gonna let's let's end it there. Is it AI? Is there something else? coming down, uh, you know, coming down the pipe here. AI, um, yeah, AI is going to transform every business process. It's going to, um, you know, I think, transform every every job, um, you know, to some extent. Um, and so it, it's a huge, huge opportunity. Michael? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll throw in with that, too. I mean, it's, it's just so broad, broadly applicable. You know, we talked about a few of the different things today. It's, you know, it's not just, uh, it's not just about having these weird chats. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's touching everything. So yeah, I'll, I'll go in with that too. Great. Uh, we will end it there. Thank you both so much for being here. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. 
If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. You can visit fidelity.ca for more information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter. Thanks again. See you next time.